You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. I received a piece of work from the desk of Dr. Adrian Saville, who's the Chief Executive from Canon Asset Managers. I received it yesterday, and the title is Disease and Downgrades, Diary of a Bad Year for South Africa. We spoke, I think it was about four weeks ago, and we spoke about the coronavirus, and we were talking about the diversification premium. You've gone on from there, and you say a diary of a bad year for South Africa, and here we are at the quarter end. We're only a quarter of the way through it. Goodness knows what the next three quarters are going to provide, Adrian. <laughs> you know, Lindsay, it feels like a lifetime ago that we spoke. Um, and when we spoke recently, it was about, you know, some uh, sort of immunity that you could have in your portfolio, given the uh, coronavirus, the pandemic, the market impacts and shocks that were working through the system. Um, and from then to now, the world has changed uh, uh, even more. Uh, I don't want to say spectacularly because when we spoke then, there had already been, you know, quite dramatic changes. But we've gone from slowdown uh, uh, of a month ago to lockdown uh, today. And um, on day one of lockdown, Moody's downgrades South Africa. Uh, there's been a lot of you know, hand-wringing about that and, uh, you know, the suggestion being that this was awful timing on the part of Moody's. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, this makes me a little bit angry because it was us that got ourselves into this circumstance. And as one of my Twitter followers put it, he says, this is like blaming the mirror for a bad haircut. Yeah, speaking of bad haircuts, uh, that's going to come to the fore if we go any longer than the three weeks lockdown in South Africa. But but that's another story. Yes, it's like blaming your bank manager for you not working, <laughs> for you not working, and therefore you go into overdraft. And he says, "Well, I can't, I can't extend this overdraft any longer." I mean, they did extend the stay of execution for a long, long time. Moody's, in fact, probably a little bit too long. But it's nice that it's out the way in a way. Yeah, look, so you know, on. To, to make a point on one uh, observation that you make, if anything, I think Moody's perhaps didn't do us favours by uh, prolonging it. Uh, capital markets for a long time have had South Africa uh, priced as sub-investment grade, uh, and Moody's had a pronouncement the other way. You know, I'm not quite sure why it took them so long uh, to come to this pronouncement, but you're absolutely right. You know, we are in the depths of, uh, of market and economic uh, turmoil and turbulence, and at least we can have uh, the uns of uh, a Moody's rating out of the way. Having said that, you know, in their uh, release on Friday night, not only did they downgrade us, but they kept us at negative, uh, which is, uh, you know, I, I think that's an indictment. Uh, it, it does not speak well. Uh, of South Africa's uh, uh, prospects, and it really is, uh, you know, we keep saying this, it's a call to action, it's a call to action. Uh, if the message hasn't landed now, it's never going to land. Yeah, but the message, I think, has landed, and it's uh, very interesting that the really, really bad news has come at the time when there's been some good news as well. The action from the president about the lockdown and the government imposed a lockdown and making people stay at home, which is something I'd never see, thought I'd ever see in South Africa, and people mainly observing it. The South African Reserve Bank taking action by cutting interest rates by 100 basis points and potentially another 100 basis points to come. The oil price coming down, so inflation is going to come down. So all sorts of good things, especially with um, some liquidity being pumped into the system. So 
the bad news now to me is completely out of the way, apart from data, which is expected in the next few weeks and months to be absolutely uh, appalling. But I, you know, I'm, I'm strangely optimistic about not the market going back up and not the economy uh, having a V-shaped recovery, but I'm strangely optimistic about the worst being, the worst being behind us. Is my optimism misplaced? Uh, yeah. I, you well, can say yes, you know, Lindsay, your optimism the, is misplaced. Uh, no, you, you know, you make some good points um, uh, about uh, the bad news is in the system now. You know, we've, we've got the downgrade. Uh, we know that we're on uh, a negative rating from Moody's. Uh, the RAND has blown out. Um, uh, we're in lockdown. Um, and we know that the economic uh, data that prints in three months' time representing today's economy is going to be awful. Yes. But that's a print, and this is the reality. So, you know, I get your point. What um, what I worry about in this environment is that, uh, first, I'm not convinced uh, yet, uh, and I hope I'm wrong, but of the effectiveness of social distancing and flattening the curve um, in South Africa, that uh, for each piece of sort of good news we get on social distancing, there's lots of, you know, there's, there's bad news that says there's lots of people who aren't social distancing. Um, and that's a very real risk given South Africa's uh, socioeconomic circumstances is we simply don't have the healthcare system, uh, the capacity, the capability to deal uh, with this type of epidemic or pandemic sh uh, should it strike our, our healthcare system. The second is when all of this is said and done, the South African economy has to restart. And it'll be restarting from a very, very weak base. We've been doing uh, a lot of interviewing and sampling of uh, some of our uh, business partners, uh, clients, customers, to get a sense of you know, their business experience. And you know, now many companies are in minus 100% revenue experience, you know, absolute shutdown. They're earning nothing. You know, you can think of the obvious suspects here, Uber drivers, yes. uh, uh, coffee shops, restaurants. Their revenue has gone off a cliff. Uh, there are a couple who are reporting buoyancy and uh, fast-moving consumer goods, uh, you know, retailers in that environment, um, pharma care businesses are doing well. Uh, and, uh, uh, online doctors are doing well. But for the most part, the South African economy has gone into uh, a state of deep uh, uh, decline. And we estimate as much as a 50% fall in economic activity. So when you roll that 50% uh, that fall over three weeks and then allow for a a startup period, we're not going to leap back into life uh, in the middle of April. It's going to require a uh, startup. Uh, it looks like we run minus 5% economic growth and a 10% budget deficit. Those are two deeply concerning numbers, and you can throw into the pot uh, 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 more unemployed uh, joining the pool. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've got the bad news in the monitors, you know, have we got it in our economic reality and in our bank statements and income statements yet? No, I don't think we have. 
No, I don't think so. And talking about banks, I noticed Standard Bank more or less suspended their guidance that they'd given at their last set of results or trading update. Actually, I think it was their last set of results. And this is coming through every day. If I look at my stock exchange news service feed every morning, I know what it's going to say. It's going to say COVID-19 update, suspension of distribution if it's a property company, withdrawal of of dividend. And the one thing that does worry me, I was trying to put a positive spin on it, but because the bad news is in the market, but it could get worse and therefore there could be another downturn. What worries me is the ability for South Africa to ever recover from this or certain sectors of the economy to ever recover, for certain companies to ever get back on their feet. Because, you know, we don't have the... You know, you can say in the United States there's 3.283 million jobless claims last week, the highest on record. But there is a chance that maybe one and a half to two million of those in six months' time will come back to the market as people gradually become more confident, as people gradually start to rehire. I can't see that rehiring confidence coming back to South Africa, quite honestly. Uh, You know, look, so you're looking for some silver lining here and not to be... uh you know, motherhood and apple pie and what, it, what is a, a, a very, very dark and stressful environment, I think there is a silver lining here. And the silver lining is that uh, you're you, you absolutely right. Unless uh, we change the structure of the economy, when we restart, it's hard to see businesses springing to life and those uh, jobs being restored. Mm. However, uh, the imperative on uh, structural adjustment that we have to now implement the structural adjustments necessary to get the South African economy back into shape. That's the messaging that's coming through now. And it was some crisis that had to strike, you know, whether it was a a crisis of social unrest, uh, a fiscal crisis or a COVID crisis. Uh, it was almost, it was increasingly inevitable that something would have to uh, shock the system uh, in order to get the necessary action. And I think that this delivers that shock uh, if I'm going to find some good news. And the shock has now landed uh, in Treasury, in government, that unless you get on with these structural adjustments, the prospect of getting the South African economy forget about into a spectacular shape, back into the shape that it's that it was, is lost. So the imperative is now on us. Um, and, and that's the silver lining that I've got. I want to put you know, another silver lining in here. Yes. Uh, and that is the robustness of our policies and uh, related institutions. National Treasury, the South African Reserve Bank, have everything necessary uh, to put these uh, structural adjustments uh, in place and to and to implement these policies. We've got everything we need from a policy perspective. Uh, we now need to wrestle with the seriousness of the task at hand, and that's about the implementation. What strikes me in the course of the last two weeks or so is where President Ramaphosa has got this initiative between his teeth is what can happen when a country turns its mind to the task at hand. Look at what we've achieved. And I don't think that that's Pollyanna. We have we have done something as a collective with a common purpose in a short space of time. That same intention is needed with these uh, economic and industrial policy uh, uh, initiatives.
Do you honestly think that as a nation we are one and we can come together like South Korea did when it was downgraded? Um, I didn't realise um, the extent to which the South Korean population got together after they were downgraded and bounced back so quickly. But you highlight that example in your piece that you sent me and they collected 227 tonnes of gold in order to help pay back the IMF loan. Do you think South Africans have the will and the togetherness to do something like that? Um, you know, so Lindsay, South Korea holds a world record uh, for recovery from downgrade uh, into subinvestment uh, status, and they turned that around in the space of less than uh, less than a year. You're absolutely right. There was, you know, social cohesion. Uh, there was a collective uh, determination, and there was direct, uh, uh, determined uh, policy implementation. Uh, amongst other things, that included South Korean families handing in gold jewelry uh, to the value of $2 billion. Now, uh, A, I'm not sure South Africans have that cohesion, and B, I'm not sure we've got that much jewelry. Um, uh, so I share your, uh, perhaps your you know, cynicism, if that's the right word, mm. Um uh, uh, reservation that perhaps we don't yet we don't have that cohesion, um, uh, but in the same breath uh, we are certainly, I think, more galvanised into action than we were a month back, and that stretches across society. Look at the policy initiatives that have been put in place uh, with uh, labour, government, business coming together. Uh, with the policy organs and institutions coming together. Um, having said that, uh, I, you know, I, so I think we're in better shape. We're not South Korean. My concern is that we are. We run the risk of being Indonesian, and it took Indonesia the better part of twenty years to recover from their downgrade into subinvestment status. That was the time of the Asian financial crisis. Yes late 1990s, to only recently uh, have that investment-grade uh, status restored. So South Africa needs to take this seriously. We can't do this alone. We can't do this alone as any you know, part of society, and we can't do this alone as a country without global engagement and the assistance, uh, you know, amongst others, of global financial organizations. That means our credit rating from whoever you know gives it to us, Moody's or any other rating agency, has to be taken seriously. And hopefully, you know, one of the vulnerabilities that this uh, credit rating also lays bare is South Africa's reliance on financial capital. Because we've got such sophisticated financial markets, we're a great place for uh, investors looking for emerging market exposure to park their financial financial capital, their portfolio investments. That's all good and well. But what South Africa needs more than anything is uh, direct investments, foreign direct investment, bricks and mortar investment, not portfolio investment that can change its mind on the back of a rating. And in an equally, portfolio money can be applied by the recipient in the way that the recipient deems 
And here, South Africa's fiscus uh, has misapplied the capital. So foreign capital had been brought in and allocated to bricks and mortar investment. I think this would be a very, very different conversation. So there's lots of messages in this for South Africa. Lots of messages. And you also mentioned uh, in your piece Argentina. Argentina hasn't regained its credit ratings that were, were prevailing 20 years ago. So not just Indonesia, but also Argentina. And you're, you're, you're fearful in your piece that uh, South Africa will follow the route of Argentina. I was just looking back at personal experience. I came out to South Africa as apartheid was being dismantled, and that's the only reason I could come out to South Africa for obvious reasons. But anyway, it wasn't officially gone. There wasn't officially a, a democracy, but it was almost there. It was 1988. When I got here, the Rand $1 bought 1.95 Rand. And today I look at my screen in horror it's 22 to 22 and a half against yeah. the pound and uh, 18 against the dollar and uh, 19 and a half against the euro so from 2 to 20 i mean if you if you broaden if you uh, paint it with broad brush strokes from 2 to 20 over that period and there's been no respite it's been a constant 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 uh, degradation of of our currency and there's, there's never been a break. There's been a few little rallies here and there, uh, 1994, Mr. Mandela, uh, some good economic growth. But overall, we've been going down for 20, for, for, for 20 30 years. And I think that you can expect that to, to stay in place because the RAND is structurally weak. Um, we are a, an economy that has higher inflation than all of our major trading partners the euro, sterling, the US dollar, the Japanese yen. Uh, we run bigger budget deficits uh, and we generally, <laughs> notwithstanding the very recent times, we generally print more money. Uh, we're also a, uh, a current account deficit country. So, you know, on all of those important measures of things that could contribute to a currency that gets stronger, we don't tick any of those boxes. Uh, and uh, this, it, that's unlikely to change in the near future. Uh, even with structural improvement, we're likely to remain a country with all of those attributes. Mm. And if that's the case, you can expect the RAND to continue to weaken structurally against all of those major economies or major currencies. Having said that, you know, my sense is the RAND has blown out uh, in this environment. Yes. Uh, coin currencies is, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, we can do justice to that in a, in a short conversation. Calling currencies is hard at the best of times. Uh, calling currencies in this environment is particularly tricky. But uh, what, what it is fair to volunteer is that on a purchasing power parity basis, uh, on a cost of living or a Big Mac index basis, fair value for the rand closer to 13 to the dollar so just you know be careful about you know rushing your rands into dollars imagining that uh, what i buy in the us is now going to be extremely attractive you might find you know more attractive us or european investments but you're buying them with uh, rands that are deeply undervalued, which makes the valuation of that asset then relatively expensive. It's like, you know, taking rands uh, to go and search for a cheap burger joint in the U.S. When you convert that cheap burger joint in U.S. dollars back to rands, you're going to say, well, hang on, this isn't as cheap as I thought it was. So there's, 
you know, there's a couple of complexities to thinking about currency. Uh, the one is its near-term valuation. I think the RAND could well get better from here. Uh, but longer term, uh, I agree with you that there is no reason to suggest or argue that the RAND is going to structurally change its behavior and become a currency with inherent strength. It is a currency that over time you should expect to generally find weaker rather than stronger. Final question, given what you've just said, do you think that we should go to the IMF or do you think it will become necessary for Mr. Ramaphosa and his team or whoever succeeds him to go to the International Monetary yeah. Fund with the begging bowl? Yeah, uh, whoever succeeds him is a curious point <laughs> in there. Yeah. Um, maybe that's for another conversation. Yes. Uh, but, um, you know, the, look, the modelling that we've done uh, on trying to figure out the, the shape of the economy and the size of the budget deficit and the size of government debt to GDP, uh, I, I think minus 5% economic growth in 2020, mm. a 10% budget deficit, and government debt to GDP, including the state-owned enterprises, uh, blows comfortably uh, past any previous forecasts. And uh, all of that puts us into IMF territory. Uh, you know, we want to be careful here about speculating. But I think it's very difficult to see where South Africa gets the gets the fiscal latitude uh, to find the money that's necessary for, for the size of that deficit and to restart the stalled economy. Uh, it, it's hard to see how we don't uh, uh, do this without uh, foreign support, whether it's the IMF, the World Bank, or you know some other form of foreign funding. We've got access to uh, very short-term emergency lines, uh, almost instant overnight funding that we can get uh, from the IMF. Uh, and uh, you know, I wouldn't read into that crisis, uh, but it does, I think, make it fairly clear that South Africa is going to have to look beyond uh, our borders to, to get past uh, the fiscal state that we find ourselves in. Adrian, thank you very much for your time. That's Dr. Adrian Saville, Chief Executive of Canon Asset Managers. We've been speaking about a piece that was penned by Adrian called Disease and Downgrades, Diary of a Bad Year for SA. And don't forget, we're only one quarter of the way into that year. Adrian, thank you very much. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.